0: So open your Bibles to John 10, 10 you don't have a Bible, the people in jerseys that look exactly like you anyway are carrying Bibles through the aisles, and you can raise your hand. They'll give that to you. That's our gift to you. We also have everything uploaded on the Bible app, and you can go to version and then find the notes there. Hello to our online campus, our Brown County Correctional Facility people, and also our Howard Swamico site. We love you, and thanks for being a part of our family. Uh, I have different names, and each brings a different responsibility. Each carries a different level of authority. Most people obviously call me Sonny. Uh, my dad calls me Sis. Probably a lot of girls in here, they get Sis. Uh, my mom calls me Rosie. My middle name is Rose. My sister calls me Seaster. Um, some people call me Pastor, Pastor Sonny, and please don't ever call me First Lady. Ugh. I've had people, <laughs> Pastor Allen, who came and preached here, he's he, he's tried that. I'm like, do not. I am not first lady. Uh, also now, I have a new name, and I'm called a Nesty Bestie because I helped, co- I helped open a co-working space, and I'm one of the partners, and it's called The Nest, so get it? I, at first, I was like, ooh, and I'd have to warm up to it, but the, a Nesty Bestie with my partners. Sean calls me Babe. My kids call me mommy which is my favorite and yes they are they're right now cringing they're like you're not supposed to tell people that But they do and they even still call me mommy in public and honestly it melts my heart. But not every name I just talked about carries the same responsibility or authority. It would be immature of me to act like I'm just a teenager with my kids and they really cringe when I try to say the words and I get them out of order. So I'm not here to be a teenager to my kids. It would be inappropriate to be a mother to my husband. If you've known me for any length of time, you know I don't think it's funny and I also think it's actually really bad and inappropriate to call your husband one of your children. He's not, and if you're having marriage trouble, that might be the first thing you you throw out the window. It would be inappropriate to treat my husband like I'm his mother, but speaking of inappropriate, there's a couple names that people are giving each other in the work world these days, like it's okay. Oh, that's my work wife, or that's my work husband. Society totally calls that normal, but the spiritual calls that a distortion. In fact, it's a distortion of our responsibility to marriage and to loyalty. Names are different and they represent different identities, different situations for different names. You'd call that situational identity. The same is true of God. He actually has many names. He has different names, each of which bears different identity and responsibility. Here are some. Elohim, creator God. Emmanuel, God with us. El Shaddai, the almighty God, Adonai, master over all. Yahweh means Lord, but Jehovah also means Lord. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. I wanna stop at this one because uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, inspired my first coffee house ever, 20 years ago, and it would be a stretch to call it a coffee house. We were youth pastors in Memphis, Tennessee, and in the fellowship hall, which is what they called uh, the kitchen area and the dining area in old school churches. And so out of the fellowship hall kitchen, I would take the teenagers in our youth ministry and we would raise money for missions by selling lattes. Granted, this is 20 years ago. Starbucks was just actually coming on the scene. I hadn't heard of it yet, but I had had lattes at the gas station. You know, the ones that you push and it comes out in the foam. And like I thought a latte is awesome. I loved lattes before Starbucks made lattes right. And so I got the Swiss International cans and we would scoop one scoop probably, nasty, into a white styrofoam cup, add hot water out of the kitchen, stir it up and serve it and charge a dollar. And we called it Java Gyra, your coffee provider. (laughs) Boy, have we come a long ways to do the exchange. If you knew, I've had the Red Rooster, Common Grounds, the first exchange, and that was my worst, Jabba uh, Okay, so back to this, Jehovah Sidkanu means the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Shama is the Lord is there, and Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Different identities, different situations, but one God with one purpose. And as John ten ten says, the purpose is to give us life in its fullness. But we are at war, we've talked about this, we are at war against spiritual wickedness in high places. And because we are at war, and it's with the unseen, we have an enemy who also has one purpose. And he has more than one name, but he has one purpose, and that is to steal, that is to kill, and that is to destroy, all the time, all of us. One purpose, but many names. But today, we're gonna talk, because of the unseen world, we're going to expose one of his names with a message called pride. Let's pray. God, thank you that this morning we're gonna leave here more aware of the unseen and more uh, ready to deal with. Anything unseen that the enemy is trying to throw at us. So let us leave here not only inspired, but also ready. Ready for the fight and so confident in our knowledge of it, in Jesus' name, amen. So we have a real enemy. The problem is most people don't believe in him. In fact, a nationwide study said that 60% of church people, of Christians, don't believe in the devil. In fact, there are entire church networks that don't believe in hell or the devil. Even though Jesus spoke more about hell than he talked about heaven when he was on earth. But just because we don't believe doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I don't believe in calories most of the time. (laughs) Unfortunately, they do exist. I can't see oxygen. I can't even see it when it comes down in the thing and they said oxygen is flowing. I'm like, at least you could see the oxygen in a plane in a bag, like I don't trust you that this is not inflated and, and you're saying it's, but I, I believe it, I trust it, I stay on the flight. I can't see oxygen, but I still believe in it. I can't see Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, but I believe in it. And one thing that baffles my mind is airdrop. How am I able to airdrop to you? I can't see it, but it's still real. So we, there is a devil and there is hell and no, we can't see them, but we have to be prepared and protected and aware that it exists. We don't need to be afraid because scripture says we are overcomers, but we will face opposition. You guys might be in opposition right now. So we need to clearly define our enemy so we can defeat our enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 defines our enemy. The enemy, the devil, One of his names was Lucifer. And so we're going to talk about Lucifer and we're going to talk about pride. Isaiah 14 says about Lucifer, Oh, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. You are cut down to the ground. You weakened the nations. This scripture was past, and this is present, talk about weakening the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my own throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be the most high. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. That was the origin of the devil. His name was Lucifer, which means light bearer. That was his destiny, but Ezekiel gives us his role in heaven, which is the leader of all worship. Look at this. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. It's like he was was there before Adam and Eve were there. He was getting the lay of the land, and he was allowed to be in the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Yes, think baby angel cherub, big wings cover, probably not a baby, but big wings who covers. I established you, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. I want to pause there. It's interesting that he walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones and what his destiny is now is that he will be in the midst of fiery fiery coals and ash, burnt. And he does walk to and fro looking who he, at who he can devour. So interesting. Okay, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you iniquity. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Lucifer was gorgeous, he was powerful, and he was persuasive, and he still is today. He doesn't come looking like a jerk, let's just be honest. He comes sometimes in, in, in this gorgeous package called the other sex, and you're like, yes. He's persuasive, but let's, this reminds me of sin. And sinning in the moment is fun. Let's just be honest, let's not lie about it. Sinning feels good, or it wouldn't be so hard to get out of. Satan is persuasive, but really, he doesn't have to do that much because it is so tempting to sin. The book of Revelation said, when he fell, he took one-third of heaven's angels down. One day, Satan decided to get out of the giving business and get into the getting business. Lucifer determined rather than releasing worship, he wanted to receive worship. He took his eyes off God and he put them on himself. His number one weakness, pride, became his number one weapon. The number one way the devil attacks us is pride. And we all deal with it. Pride has ruined marriages. Pride has ruined families. You know, pride has really ruined anything where somebody says, I'm not going to be the one to say sorry. That's not up to me. Pride also says, I don't need God. Pride also says I'm smarter than needing to believe in that. That's just silly faith stuff. Like I got a bigger brain than that. That's pride. Pride says what has God done for me? Or what can God do for me? So Satan's strategy is to paint a picture of God as a bully to us. That maybe he's holding something back from us. Or he painted the picture in the garden, the very first sin. He painted the picture that God was insecure. That Eve, he's insecure and doesn't want you to think like him. Satan was trying to elevate Eve and he's always trying to elevate us above and smarter than God. Then we get angry with God when life doesn't go our way or we feel like he isn't answering our prayers and we fold our arms and we say no. Just like a toddler. Even if on the outside we're like, love you Jesus. On the inside we're standing up like a toddler saying no. Like we learned that word for the first time. That's pride. And pride is Lucifer's tool. But God hates pride because it separates us from him. It's not that he hates us. He hates pride because he knows it's our choice to live in pride. And he knows that it's just like Lucifer's choice. Proverbs 6 says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. The scripture just called pride an abomination, a detestable spirit. So the book of James says, God resists the proud. Now, this is what it means. It doesn't mean resist the proud like this. God's not like you know, stiff-arming people. He's not, what it means is, God resists like, hands up. It's not hands out, God goes hands up, hands off. This is what that means. God says you won't succeed, I love you too much to bless you when you're walking in the spirit of pride. People ask me about this, they really do. And where I'm in the business sector now, I was raised by business people, but then I'm also a pastor. So the thought, I'm sure, can be like, how can they do ministry and be pastors, but also have money? Because frankly, shouldn't pastors like live in a tent and drive a car that doesn't start every other morning because they need to suffer for the gospel? And believe me, I believed that for a lot of our ministry and our marriage. I thought, yes, pastors should suffer for the cause, why should we have things? And, but I was raised by business people. And so my, my mind thinks business and I go out and I try new things. But I've had people ask me, what is an okay amount of success in money? Basically they're asking, what's okay to God for an okay amount of success in money? And here's the answer I want you to write down if you write down one thing. Success or money are just amplifiers. They just amplify who you already are. If you're living in pres- pride, success and money will amplify pride. That's why some people who get more money become more corrupted. Most lotto winners, did you know, Pastors said this to us, go bankrupt, most, like majority, it's I didn't want to give the percentage because I don't remember exactly. Most lotto winners go bankrupt after winning the lottery because it amplified their poor behavior. While other people who get money and just become more generous, get more money, and just it amplifies their generosity and they're giving more. I will say from the bottom of my heart, my husband is way more generous than me, so it's a good thing he is the pastor of this church and I serve with him and he is the one to make that final decision because he gives money away personally and as a church, like, like money doesn't even matter. And so that's why I believe Life Church continues to get more because God goes, okay, it'll amplify the generosity. But sometimes we think God is holding up our success when actually he's really protecting us from us. Because he knows what success will do to us when we're not ready. And let me tell you the flip side of this. I can totally relate. My parents always helped us with money when we first got married. Granted, I was 12 when we got married. No, I was 17, it wasn't far off. Uh, And so looking back, my parents helped us financially because we were just too stupid to make any smart decisions. I was 12 years away from being an adult Psychologically, I mean, I totally believe that now. And looking back, they enabled us by co-signing for cars or when we were upside down again with another car, they'd help to pay off the negatives so we could trade it and get a different car. Dumb. We were dumb. I had a purple Thunderbird that was a two-door. Did anybody remember the purple? It was, would have been like a 1996 or 1997 two-door Thunderbird. I didn't need that. That was my second car. I'm 18 years old, married, and we both work at the mall. Like, you don't need a second car when that's your income level. So our pride looked like this back then. Us wanting more cars than I wanted cars like my parents had. Us wanting to live the life my parents lived, even though I forgot to remember that 20... For 25 years they had been faithful to tithe and to give to people in need and they had been trusted. So of course they lived a different life in their 40s than we could live right then. But I wanted to fast forward. We were trying to live up to their life prematurely and some of us in this room are trying to live up prematurely to a life that one, we haven't been faithful enough to live, or we are faithful now and it'll just take some time. But we want what we want right now. And like a toddler, when my parents cut us off 11 years ago, so we'd been married for 13 years, and they had enabled us a lot. And it's almost like it helped to our downfall. Because then 11 years ago when we were separated, we were a mess. We were separated. We were jobless. Uh, Sean couldn't get a job anywhere. I was, I was trying to get a job. My parents looked at us and said, nothing. You get nothing. We won't even watch your kids anymore. And, and I was, talk about being a toddler on the inside and standing up and being mad at them. But this is what God knew, and this is what my parents knew in that moment. They needed to be not hands out to us, they needed to be hands up and hands off. And I repeat, God says, you won't succeed, I love you too much to bless you when you're walking in a spirit of pride. When you aren't living in pride, you can be trusted with money and success, and that day will come if we first deal with pride. Pride isn't a feeling, pride is a sin. It exposes us to spiritual attack and it negates our spiritual authority. James 4 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. So let me give you the triple whammy of pride. God resists us. Hands off. The devil attacks us as much hands on as he can get. We have no authority. So, if we all deal with pride, what do we do? The antidote to pride is worship. The opposite of pride isn't humility. The opposite of pride is worship. Anyone can be humble. Lucifer didn't go from humility to pride. He went from worship to pride. You'll never be in pride when you're in worship. Why? Because the spirit you take on when you worship is of surrender, and it's a hands-up. That's why you see people up here who will raise their hands, or like this, or one-handed, or touchdown, or any worship state you have in your pocket. Surrender is a shoulders down, I surrender my life to you God, and it's interesting, they didn't even know what I was speaking on today, and one of our songs was literally, I give you everything. If more of you means less of me, I give you everything. That's the difference, that's the opposite of pride. Satan's spirit wasn't one of surrender. It was one of pride, and it came before his literal fall. You've heard, pride cometh before the fall, and we say that even if we aren't church people or Bible knowers, that's where that comes from. So I'm gonna give you three practical reasons today we worship, and let me start by what do I mean by worship. Yes, Sunday morning's what we just did. Yes, hands up, hands down, hands all over the place, but I also mean in your home, in your car, when you're falling asleep. When I was pregnant with Isaiah, it was the first of four pregnancies that was going well. And I mean, it was going really well. But then I started to have nightmares, like when I was about two and three months pregnant. And I mean, like night terrors. And it was like Satan wasn't able to get me physically because I was healed. He wasn't able to get me consciously because I was ready. I was prayed up. So he came at me in my dreams in my nightmares and so for a month I just continued to like wake up freaking out for sure felt a presence in our room I was like what the heck so I took a cd yes they still were we have cds here you stick in your car because your car's still making them but I had a cd alarm clock I wasn't using my phone yet and I put a worship cd in the alarm clock on level one because anything louder than that kept me awake I barely could hear a thing but why would Satan enter our room when worship was playing in my room? And I never had a nightmare again, never. And and I thought about this, couple questions for you. Can you imagine having worship music playing and turning on a horror movie and having worship in the background? Can you imagine? We wouldn't even attempt it. Uh, Can you imagine, because Satan would, would flee from that, and where there is light, there can't be darkness, Can you imagine having worship music playing and saying, let's play a drinking game. Let's get wasted right now. Probably wouldn't come at the same time. What about having worship on and then going, let's have sex with my boyfriend or my girlfriend and like I'm not gonna feel bad at all. But you know what? Pump up the pit bull. (laughs) That's for you. They just look down. Uh, They look down on the sex part, not because they're... Yeah, but uh, they're like, mom's gonna try to say something, some song, I don't even know. (laughs) Everything is explicit now. When I was growing up, there was one explicit CD you really wanted to sneak and listen to. Now they all have the explicit warning. I'm like, they might as well start saying not explicit, here's one CD. And, And so you put that on, And believe me, it's going to be real easy to do any of those things that come to mind. In fact, it will encourage you. But the opposite is worship. But also worship isn't just music. Sitting in silence and thanking God, journaling for what you're grateful for, that's worship. So back to our points. The first reason we worship, number one, to keep our lives God-centered and not me-centered. The 34th Psalm says, oh, magnify the Lord. Think magnifying glass. Do we still know what those are? That's that magnifying glass you see on your screen of your phone, and it means something different, but it used to mean to magnify and make bigger. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Our worship doesn't make God bigger. It changes our viewpoint. When we worship, it maximizes God. When we don't worship, it minimizes God. He gets bigger or smaller in our heart. You know, people who don't come to church for six months and then they say things like, I just, you know, I feel like God's left me. You know, I just don't hear God or sense him and I'm struggling. Here's the deal. God didn't get smaller. He's the same God. But your, your magnifying of him has, has stepped back. And for six months, he's gotten smaller in your life when really he's the same size. He just... He just stayed there and waited on you. So I want a big God and a little me, a big God and a little devil, like I want like an ant man devil. I want a little ant man, like honey I shrunk the kids devil, where I can hear his squeaky little whiny voice and I just step on him and he's just bug guts everywhere. That's the kind of devil I want in my life. And I'm pretty sure that it's okay that I hate the devil, like I hate him, I use that word for the devil, I hate him. Last week pastor talked about the blame game. And he said that we're often blaming the wrong person. And that is so true. We often blame it and God God, and God is never the source of wrongdoing, evil, or pain. I have done the right thing and the difficult and the humble thing, sometimes just despite Satan. And I know that I probably should do the right thing because God says to. But sometimes I'm like, I will not keep fighting with Sean right now. Because Satan, I hate you, and I'm just, you're not going to win for three more minutes in our house over something that I can go and I can just say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. (laughs) That I'm going to let that pride, because I want to spite Satan. Like, I hate Satan that bad. And, And I want Satan to have zero more minutes of control. And sometimes we give in to Satan like we're willing to play in the sandbox just a little longer with him. So, the second reason we worship, number two, it keeps our faith in God strong and active. In the 16th Psalm, David says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. He was saying, I always set God before me. Now, God is a bigger deal than I can just do this, but frankly, It is changing that where he is at my side, he is at my right side, but I need to set him before me, keep him in front of me, in the line of my vision, because we're all gonna encounter problems, we just are. When we don't keep God before us, it's us against them. But when we keep God before us, he's between us and them. Everything I see, I need to see through the filter of him. Goliath looked big to everyone else, but David, because he had magnified the Lord, David looked at Goliath and said, "Eh, he's not that big. Big God, little Goliath. Here's the third reason we worship. It keeps everything in correct perspective. In the Lord's prayer, Jesus ends with these words. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever, amen. We don't have a kingdom. You hear that a lot here, we're even not here to build the church, we're here to build the kingdom. Not our kingdom, not a kingdom, the kingdom. We don't have a kingdom and some of us have been caught or we've had friends that got caught in building their kingdom, building the empire of them. We don't have a kingdom and the minute we realize that, pride starts to dissipate. We don't have power, you've heard my power, Like, my power, that's such a girl thing right now. Like, find your power. And I'm like, "Um, you don't have power. Uh, God is power. So stop with the valley talk about your power. Um, And and I know I'm in the girly world, but gag. Like, we don't have power. God has power. We don't have a kingdom. I'm not here to build the sunny kingdom. I'm not here to build... Anything for me, and anything that I do, I have to filter through, does this point to Jesus. The reason I love the exchange is because it points to Jesus. People walk in and go, what is the deal? It feels so like, ah! And the people are not just nice, they're kind, and we're thinking, that's on our wall in the basement. Don't just be nice, be kind. And people feel it, and then they go, this isn't kooky or weird. Who owns this, a church owns this? It doesn't seem like a church owns this. And then they end up showing up here, or they read our Life and Culture magazine. If everything we do, personally and business, is to point to Jesus, we're gonna build that. We're gonna build him. The last thing is we don't have glory. All those things belong only to him. It's wrong for me to live my life, to make myself look good. It's wrong for me to take credit. Uh, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. But not for your glory, for his glory. He used me because of the unlikelihood of using me. He uses Sonny because then I can say and people can say, look at God. I mean, if he can use her, and I've heard this, and it's okay, you can say this to me. I've had you walk up and be like, man, if he can use you, I know he can use me. And I don't get offended by that at all because I'll stand up here and be honest and say I got pregnant at 14, had a baby at 15. She died, I didn't know what to do. Uh, I thought when we couldn't have babies later with Isaiah and Aubrey that I was being judged and I." I had to get over that because that wasn't God's judgment. That was was part of life and other things going on and Satan wanted me to question God. Like I can stand up here and say that and you can go, really? Like you you were, wow, you were a scarlet letter. Like you were in high school and you were pregnant. But this is the great thing, is that if God can use me, he can use somebody else, that's why he uses me. Because I'll say look at God, yeah, can you believe it? Can you believe I'm a ranch girl who frankly says most words wrong? Can you believe it that Sean and I almost got divorced yet God would still trust us later with the church? Can you believe that we lost our reputation and actually had our credentials as pastors 11 years ago dishonorably discharged? Didn't know that could happen in church, thought that was a military thing. We were dishonor- discharged look at God so I worship because it keeps God in the right perspective so I can resist the devil he will flee from my thoughts my intentions my ambitions he is lurking in the unseen trying to invade our hearts and minds The one way and the only way to defeat a spirit is with the opposite spirit. Worship and gratitude. So here is our warning, everyone, in the last days. Perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, right there, unthankful. Worship is gratitude. They will be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You want, you want to know how you can test your pride and how you could probably test someone else in your life if they're living in pride? Do they have jealousy in their eyes and in their mouth when? They talk to you? Do you have jealousy in your heart when you hear something goes well for them? If I can't be happy for you and your blessing, I may be struggling with pride. If some, you might have 10 friends and eight of them are happy for you, and the two make you feel bad about your blessing and bad about God changing your life around, and they make you feel all stirred up. That could be a sign that those two friends are dealing with pride and they have jealousy and the other eight are not living in pride. And the same is true if we can ask ourselves, am I happy for people when they succeed? Not just money, not just, just you know worldly success, but like when their marriage is going good. Do I go, yeah, it must be nice to have a good marriage. Like that's a pride, guys, that's not insecurity. That's a spirit of pride that Satan's going after the insecurity and making you compare yourself to everyone else. That is spiritual warfare and it's real. And the war is over your spirit and over the spirits you carry. Do you wanna surrender today so that Jesus can become your source of worship? And how he can become your source of worship is when he can become your only source. Your only source to your spirit at all. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads for me? I'm gonna ask in a minute that people raise their hand if they, for the first time, or maybe wanna come back to Jesus again. And all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and say, I need Jesus to be my source because that's not been the case. And, and you might not even be able to wrestle with the pride spirit until you submit and surrender your life to Jesus. I'm not gonna have you come forward, walk in aisles, center you out in any way. Just gonna have you raise your hand, slip it up and down, or make eye contact with me or both, whichever feels most comfortable. So will you do that, will you raise your hand, look at me, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Over here, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank Did I miss anybody? Okay, everyone in the room is going to repeat this along with you. So just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you be my only source? In Jesus' name, amen. Now that is not just like made you perfect, but it started the Jesus journey. And so if you would take that hello card I talked about earlier, if you'll check the box that says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus, it's highlighted in yellow. Turn that in. Sean and I want to follow up with you. We want to pray for you. And also you can take that card. When you take it to one of the tables as you leave, you can grab a packet or take it to the welcome center, Uh, or you can drop that in the black buckets when they go around in a minute. And we will follow up with you, but we want to put in your hand a CD that says, what's next? It's just a short cd Uh, close your eyes one more time and don't and bow your heads and don't leave yet Uh, casey's going to close this out but i want to ask and i mean here's the deal i think the best way to pray and ask for help and pride is that we don't just slightly lift our hand but we go help me like like every day i wake up and go god any pride in me remove it and I, I can do that through worship when I wake up, but I have to ask that daily. This isn't like you're gonna get this and then be good for 10 years. You're going to have to battle this in the unseen. So don't feel condemned if you raise your hand that, yeah, I need prayer for pride. So if that's you, would you raise your hand all over this place? Wow, yes. So God, I pray that as we in our own way, in our own life, have the enemy coming at us in the unseen. We just exposed him. We exposed his greatest weapon. And frankly, he doesn't have that power on us anymore. We can call it out. We can see it in ourselves. We can sense when it's coming, God, and we can submit and surrender to you. And we'll do that through worship. So help everyone in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.